author Rebecca McKenna is joining me, author and podcast host Taylor, on I Just Read This Book, the podcast, to discuss her debut novel, Don't Forget the Girl. So I like randomly bought her book while I was out in Cincinnati. And then I met her at an event in Indianapolis. She was at the downtown library and I just love that. And then I gathered all my nerves and went up to her and asked her to be on the podcast. And here she is starting right now. So yeah, okay. Uh, hi, Rebecca. Thank you so much for coming on to I Just Write This Book, the podcast with me, Taylor. Thank you so much for having me. Um, So I read your debut, loved it. Congratulations. Just Thank because you. Writing, publishing, I just know that it takes a... Do you hear the background? I don't actually. Okay, good. Um, I just know... Side note, sorry, listeners, I'm with my two nieces. They're beautiful, but loud. Um, So I don't know what is picking up. Um, But yeah, I just know how much you went into like writing, publishing, just because I officially know as well. And it is not as easy as I thought. Did you think it was easy? I mean, I think I was, I think that there were years, like when I first started writing where I thought like, oh, you just sit down and do it. Kind of thing, which obviously that's a huge part of it, but no, I think, you know, from talking to other people that had done it, like it's still not the same as now you understand, like when you try to try to actually do it, it really feels like there's one writer I met and she said it felt, she felt like she was like lost in the wilderness for like, you know, trying to find her way out. And I do think that it feels that way when you get like deep into a book. I feel like the closer you get to publication, the crazier it is. Yeah, absolutely. And it's different for everyone. So like, I just met some book people who are trying to become writers and they're like, oh, what can you tell me? And I'm like, uh. <laughs> You're like, I don't want to scare you, but. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But Rebecca wrote the book, Don't Forget the Girl. And in a nutshell, the character Abby, she may or may not have been murdered by her teacher 12 years ago and her friends Chelsea and Brie are still grieving. Yeah. I have a question for you. Did you name them in ABC order on purpose? It was not on purpose, but then I realized that that was the case and kind of liked it. And I can't remember if it made its way into the final like published version or not, but I did have like a thing at one point that when they were growing up, that was kind of their, like, they called themselves the ABCs or. I would have loved that because I was just, I, and it took me like halfway, more than halfway, I'll say throughout the book. And I was like, wait a minute. Yeah. And I was like, that is so fun. I love that, especially since it was three girls, three best friends. It just worked yeah. really well. No. <laughs> um, so Abby is deceased, unfortunately, and her and Chelsea were lovers, which I loved. I thought that was so cute, so fun. And unfortunately, with the times, it, they were kind of closeted and just wanted yeah. to like be able to be with each other and Chelsea really 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 wanted it and Abby wanted it as well but she was just nervous with her mom and everything she had every right she knew her mom better than yeah she did she did and she was very right um 
so then there is this character john allen blue slash jay and he is definitely the sorority killer and then maybe or maybe not abby's killer as well as abby and Bree's drama teacher yes did you do that on purpose uh which part make it seem like jay wasn't the killer yeah i think um in like an earlier version it was like kind of straightforward that like jay and john allen blue were like the same person like you kind of knew that from the beginning and then in revising it i kind of made it a little ambiguous if they were Mm -hmm. you know the same person until they get to kind of the middle of the book um just to kind of add like another little twist for people no when i found that out i was like wait what (laughs) and then I'm just going to credit it to you as the author, obviously, and the writer. I did not think, obviously, that it was the same person. And then I didn't think, it took me a really long time to believe. Literally, when Abby said, he did it. Yeah, (laughs) I mean, I think in earlier versions he I, he actually didn't do it uh-huh. um and that was just because i thought I thought, the cop when i was reading it oh interesting he's like interesting. the pervert who was hooking up with brie so i was yeah. like that's a thing for young girls da, da, da. yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. i mean i think that i i had my original thing was that i thought it would be interesting if somebody had been murdered but not by like the mm-hmm. flashy like the one that got all the attention and that it would be interesting if her case kind of went unsolved because they were kind of looking in the wrong direction and just assumed it was him but then as it went on and as I revised more and more I was like oh no it is sometimes sometimes the obvious one is the one <laughs> yeah and then you were like oh it could be brother Dave and I was like what brother Dave yes yep so many potential creepers you yeah. know yeah so yeah, it ended up being Jay. I just have a problem when it comes to fiction. And I guess when it comes to like these true crime, um, what are the, what are they called? These true crime crimes. Yeah. And the person gets found out they're obviously guilty and they're like, no. And I I'm just like, why you have yeah. like, why can't you just own up to it? I know. And it's so interesting because it's you, like some, some of them do in your research or anything. Like, Yeah. I, you know, he is kind of based more on Ted Bundy and yeah. that was like the Ted Bundy route where like he, he just like until right before the end, just kept being like, nope, not me, not me. And I, I thought that that was really you know, interesting. You have some of these like, you know, Jeffrey Dahmer and like BTK that they, they pretty quickly say like, yeah, I did it and kind of give a full confession. And it was interesting and sad to me, like another layer of, um, I don't know, kind of like trauma and creepiness that like Ted Bundy would not give those families of the victims that peace, you know? Like that just felt so cruel. It's like, what do you have to lose? And it, and it took him so incredibly long to really admit to everything. Yeah, I felt some type of way um, when Brie, what, when Brie and Chelsea went to go see Jay and he's like, let's play this game. And um, yeah. like, obviously he would have got everything that he would have because he's a psycho and knows yeah. the mind better than we do. Um, but Brie was like, no, let's just go. Da, da, da. I was like, Brie, no. 
I know. Yeah, it, that was like an interesting moment to write because on the one hand, like as a as as somebody you know who wants like as a reader, I can see where you're like, no, I want I want the whole truth. I want him to like lay it all out. Um, but then on the other hand, it's just like that power that mm-hmm. he gets to have. And if 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 you say no, then yeah. that, that removes it. You know, for sure. No yeah. worries. I understood, but I was just like, I'm in, I'm in rapture. Now. Yeah. I need to know it all. Um, so excuse me, what was like, what was like the beginning? I know you said you started with Ted Bundy, but after that, or when you, yeah. that, or when you started with Ted Bundy, how did your, don't forget the girl grow from there? Yeah, I had for a while been like working on another project that had had John Allen Blue in it, but it was more about like other women in his life. Mm. Um, but then it's just kind of like a random story in grad school. I wrote a short story for my thesis about a girl who had been murdered and about some of her friends. And that was kind of where this started. And then for several years, I tried to um, write a linked short story collection, like from different perspectives of like people in that um, dead girl's life. And then eventually when I like started to send it out to agents and things like that, I got the same feedback, which was like, come back to me when you have a novel. Mm. Um, And then at a certain point, like, I, I read through the book like a final time and was just like, yeah, I think that they're actually right that like this is meant to be a novel. And so then that kind of changed the direction. Riddle me this. Do yeah. you know the author Lindsay Frazier? Lindsay Frazier. It's what has she written? Sounds familiar. She wrote Oh Love Come Close. She's Indianapolis based as well that might be why I've heard of her yeah 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 okay yeah her story was kind of like her real life okay did she have did she have a friend who was killed yes okay two and like I am totally into the fiction of all the crazy yeah men in the world so when I read hers I was like oh my god I love this I feel like I'm watching criminal minds and then yeah I was like, oh, F, this is her real life. And I'm so sorry for making it like a fun little fiction thing for me. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think that that's that, like, I have had, um, well, hello. Say hi. (laughs) Hi. Thank you. I've had, um, you know, people come up to me and like tell me stories about their friends who have have been murdered or I was doing an interview with like a radio station and, and um, the guy is like previous co-host had, had been murdered. And so, you know, talking to those people, it, all, it is just like so heartbreaking having to try to live with something like that. No. And ugh, I just, I wish all the mysteries that we will pin in our life weren't based off of. Yeah. That's, that's not, gonna whatever we're gonna skip past that because I do want to focus on the fact that you wrote a book thank you you got it published how did that feel good kind of surreal come true um yes and no like it's it's weird because I mean it's probably like most things like most goals that people have it's like 
you're so focused on the goal, the outcome. And then when you like reach it, you know, it's like kind of cliche, but it's like, oh, the real thing was like the writing was actually yeah. what mattered, you know, yes. so looking back on it, like it's very cool. And it's been very nice to talk to people. And um, I've had really cool experiences and met really cool people from it. But um, I do think like the most precious part was just like me with the characters, like writing, like that was you know, I think what, like, I will take with me. Right. I will agree. Um, I feel like, I don't know for you, but when I was writing my novel, like the writing, it was done. And I was like, bet. But then the editing process, yeah. I was like, will I ever be a writer again? Yeah. It's just like books are so made in revision, right? Like that is really like what matters um and it's so it takes so much of your brain I know oh god I do not want to go back there but um for some reason I told my readers that I will have a novella out in March and Ooh, that is a tight turnaround I know I ugh. I believe in you though it's, it, it's fine um got it. so you said you were kind of working on something else take her with you Zola, take her with you. Oh, God. So I was asking you, you said that you were working on something else before this. How did you decide that this was it? Like, mm -hmm. was this always your project or were, was it a, did you start with something totally different? To, to be really honest, it like having gone through grad school, it's like really weird because so much of the MFA is focused, focused on short stories. And so it was like, I had done that so much and then left the MFA and then pretty quickly, like I was teaching, um, and I teach at the university of Indianapolis now. Um, but when I was first like on the job market for teaching, there's so much pressure to have a, a book, um, to be able to get an academic job, to be able to, you know, be a creative writing professor. And so, I felt, I think like, well, I have these stories, like, yeah. can I just put them together and there'll be a book? And so that's where sort of, I think the link short story thing came from where I, I saw like, oh, I've, I've written all these stories that kind of have reference to, you know, loss and I, there's, I've got to be a way to kind of put them together. And so that's like really where the project kind of like began in some ways. And then it just kind of took on a life of its own and then sort of evolved. And I think like the thing that I wish I would have done earlier is like not tried so hard to muscle it into that linked short story collection format and sort of let it, let it change earlier. Um, because that's like really where it needed to go. Okay. So uh, was there any sort of research yeah that went into this yeah I mean was a it lot of Ted Bundy or did you look into other serial killers it was so Ted Bundy was like the main serial killer that I looked at but it was then it moved once once the book kind of um became you know more about like grief and about true crime and like the way that we treat or like kind of consume you know victims mm -hmm. pain for entertainment then it became a lot about um reading victim mm -hmm. accounts and particularly like research about the loved ones of victims and like how you know they have been affected and things like that um and then you know just in general like a lot about 
trauma and, and stuff like that. Are you into the true crime niche at all? Or? Yeah, I mean, and that, that was, I think, also like where the book kind of came from, because I think I was sort of working out my own feelings about it. Um, I historically did like, and I, I still do like true crime. I'm drawn to it. I've watched a million episodes of Law and Order SVU and Criminal Minds, right? Oh gosh, yeah. Yeah. And so so I I definitely understand the appeal, but then at a certain point I started to kind of like question myself of like, well, why do you particularly like the ones that focus on the mystique of the killer? Like, why do you like that when then that means like the victim is sort of erased and like, what does that say? And so I think some of it was just like working that out um, through the writing. So yeah, I personally do not have a connection with quote unquote true crime, but yeah. I am binging NCIS right now. Okay, so yeah. There is a layer. Yeah. It's kind of, I get so freaked out when with the um documentary True Crime. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Did you get into, what was that guy? The scammer guy? And he got killed by the daughter or his Ugh, daughter. Dirty John. Yeah, I I really found that fascinating. And I think like what felt so interesting about that is like we get the first person account from the daughter. Exactly. And I also really like, I mean, and then the, that poor daughter, it's like the amount of trauma she yeah. has to live with, you know, but but I'm so glad that she's safe, you know, after all of it. Yeah. Did, are you on TikTok at all? I am so random but yeah I remember apparently I don't know everything but I guess like her voice was becoming a meme or something or oh I didn't know that she was like can we not this was dramatic for me blah blah I don't know what the sound was I tried to wow but um yeah I like that sort of true crime where the victims are telling their story yeah that 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 definitely um resonates better with me um because one they're a victim and two they're a survivor like thank god um right why we don't get much of that yeah like there it's so interesting because the on netflix there's like the ted bundy tapes and it's like you know just like these recordings of him you know in prison and like that got a decent amount of attention but then there was like a to me way more superior docuseries i think it was on amazon prime um but it was where like these women in his life were talking about like it was his girlfriend um during some of the the killings and her daughter and they were talking I thought that that was such a different take and in some ways you know he is not a reliable narrator of himself um so I'm way more interested in what they say definitely for sure same um so Brie yeah (laughs) yeah Brie Brie's a whole face does it all yeah (laughs) (laughs) oh poor girl she know pregnant by her student I know which we yeah. do not recommend but home we do no we do not co-sign on this she was just continuing continuing the cycle of manipulation and yeah. trauma and grooming so 
eventually yeah. he was able to be like oh this isn't right but not in my unpopular opinion not soon enough no um, not at all yeah do you she was like when zach was that his name yes i think yeah zach zach was like is it mine she was like no and i'm gonna take this to my grave da, da, da. but what will she tell she'll tell her daughter that it's a sperm donor I think so. I think that that will be a secret that that she keeps forever. And it's, you know, it's one of those interesting things because like, as the author, I you know, I see both sides of it where it's like, in some ways it's really, it's deeply unfair, right? It's unfair to him that he won't know that it's unfair to the child that they, but then on the other hand, it's like, she totally abused her power um, to put him in that position. And, you know, he shouldn't have to shoulder that responsibility so young because of like yeah. the I, she I totally understand why she did it yeah. um I just am assuming in the future either yeah. she gets into him and he has his own family and he sees her kid and he's like mm? or the kid grows up and she's like where's my dad and she's like oh it's a sperm donor and she's like okay so she goes to the sperm bank tries to figure it out and then she's like um no it's not or she gets on a dna site yeah and finds a match and then it's yeah yeah Yeah. i mean that could be a whole whole interesting can of worms that's just one of the things with lies like it doesn't only yeah you know yeah i think with with brie I wanted to see, and I've, I've done this before with, with other stories where it's like, I want to see if I can empathize with someone that is doing something I think is so horrible because <laughs> like I'm a teacher. And so I just think that kind of that abuse of power is really damaging. And I think that for the reasons that like you outlined, like kind of the way she was groomed and things like that, you can kind of see how she could get to that point, but it still doesn't doesn't excuse it right um I don't think I don't really remember did we get like a scene of their first like how this happened I know she was like oh I remember our first time but it wasn't like he came to the office the lights were no it's not I don't think it's ever shown like in scene I don't even think it's like specifically referenced like Mm -hmm. how it how it began yeah I was I'm always intrigued by how that happens like yeah is, is it does she start it does he start or they who you never know yeah always yeah it's interesting because you know like being in academia I've heard a lot of stories of you know um professors who marry former students and and things like that and so it's certainly not uncommon I think sometimes it is more uncommon for it to be like the woman being mm-hmm. the you know I did like that aspect of power dynamic yeah the tables have turned speaking of I'm like dropping all kinds of books during this pod but did you read or heard of watching you by Lisa Jewell I know I know that author but I don't think I've um read that one yeah I liked it in that book the he had a student and she was like Mm. I'm gonna marry that man and she did okay it was crazy it's it wasn't oh, like, interesting okay yeah, it was really good but okay, cool. um yeah I'm just like huh yeah a lot of like elements in this book definitely had me scratching my head just of the fact that obviously this was related to true crime it happens all the time and I'm yeah just, we hit here yeah huh. okay <laughs> um so 
do you think because what had happened was Abby and Chelsea were in a closeted relationship and then Abby had sex with Bree's boyfriend so they all were like F you Abby yeah then Abby was like I'm gonna tell my mom I'm a lesbian I'm gonna go back and beg for forgiveness it won't happen now but I'll be damned it will happen yeah I don't know it's an interesting question you're the first person to ask me that um I do I do think that Chelsea would have eventually forgiven her yes I agree Chelsea is was down hard for Abby like she you know and so I do think that yeah I think over time she could have won her over I don't think things ever would have been the same with with Brie and and her but maybe they would have gotten to a place of kind of like more cordial they would have never been the abcs again yeah but i do agree that chelsea would have forgiven her sooner than or yeah chelsea would have forgiven her sooner than brie yeah i just feel like it would be do you think i have another question yeah do you think chelsea <laughs> there were so many names i know chelsea would have stayed the path of pastorism I forget what you call it Mm -hmm. if Abby didn't die I don't think she ever would have gone down that road I think that like for her because I think both she and Brie are like messes (laughs) and Brie in some ways is more like on the surface that she's a mess sleeping with the student you know whatever where it's like Chelsea's a mess too but she's kind of like hiding it through this veneer of faith and you know like oh I'm a pastor I'm a um Episcopal priest and so I don't I think that the the she sought out religion um in that way I think because she was grieving and I think she went like so wholeheartedly into it because of it I don't I don't know that she would have if that hadn't happened yeah I think so I honestly couldn't tell you what Chelsea would have done instead but I'm assuming there was like a graduation of some sort maybe she got her PS PhD there was a graduation of some sort she invited Brie her and Abby are engaged oh that's so sweet to think of and Brie comes and it's like kind of awkward but yeah. so much time has passed like yeah. like they just squash it there yeah but no time sooner yeah that may, that makes sense to me. for sure yeah yeah that's a nice little alternate vision I also thought what was his name Alan oh her um the boyfriend yeah yeah Al yeah I thought he was weak sauce af Oh yeah, he sucks. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think that Abby tried hard to like make that happen. Like he's just no. I think he wanted a weak a man. Yeah, I have to say. Yeah. Um. So I forget where I was going with this. <laughs> I mean, we can both we both agree Al sucks. So oh yeah, <laughs> we're united in that. Al sucks he doesn't yeah. suck as bad as jay considering but it's a name. low bar i so honestly i have like cheating is one of my i will like burst into flames yeah. so honestly because this is a fiction book obviously in real life we don't compare but yeah. i was like i was the worst 
That's so interesting. That's so interesting. But it makes sense though. Like if that is like your, you know, your yeah. thing. And also he had to have known how much it would hurt Brie. Mm-hmm. And he did it anyway. I just, and then try to keep it a secret. Like, yeah, no, I was not a fan. Yeah. So what are your thoughts? Obviously you wrote um a book centered around friendship and the complexity of it what are your thoughts on female relationships and how important do you think they are I think they're super important I think that part of the reason that they are so those three women are are so toxic with each other at times is because of how like deeply they can hurt each other Mm -hmm. um because the relationships like matter so much um so I do think like, I don't know, there, there are female friends in my life who like, you know, to be like truly seen by someone is the greatest gift, but can also be the most painful thing because they can also really see you when you are not doing what you should or being who you, you know, they, they know you can do better. And so, yeah, I think that that was kind of part of what I wanted to explore. Or you could be like, oh, I've known them for so long. I can't let them go no matter yeah, right? toxicity. I yeah. There was like a quote going around sometime in my life and it said, oh, I can't, we can't not stop being best friends. You know too much. And yeah. I held on to that because it's true. But also yeah. um, I was like, but this friendship is not for me anymore. Yeah, right. But I felt like we had to stick it out because of that GD quote. <laughs> yeah, no, I think that that's so interesting. I had one of my friends after she read the book, she was like, she's like, are, were they, are they really friends? Like, yeah. were they friends? Because they're so cool yeah. to each other in some ways. And I think that part of what is interesting and what we were touching on earlier with like, you know, if Brie would have forgiven, you know, her and all of that, like, there's something interesting about if this hadn't happened, mm-hmm. they probably would have, especially with Brie and Abby, like fallen out of each other's lives. And, yeah. you know, they would be these acquaintances, like you said, that kind of like saw each other at that event and, you know, whatever. But yeah. because this like massive right. traumatic thing happens, then it's like the trauma bonded. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, that's such an interesting dynamic. But I will admit, I do like how uh, Brie and Chelsea came together because Brie yeah. Chelsea moved in, left her husband, whatever. Yeah. I love that because, um, like, I love my Nicholas Allen more than life, but I am such a girl's girl. Yeah. Like, I tell my friends all the time, I'm like, we should just, like, buy a house either next door to each other or, like, one of those $2 million homes where, like, we have this side, you have that side, and we could just, like, meet in the family room. Have a commune. Yes. Like, it's my dream in life. But, like, yes, I would agree. Female friendships are top tier. Yeah. Um, And also friendship in general. I know, like, some girls are like, I don't get along with other girls. Okay. Um, But... (laughs) yeah okay but like friendship is very important in this thing called life I think. yeah yeah absolutely for sure um but that's really funny about your friends being like are they friends yeah. I felt that but like they were 18 19 
that's like, the thing, right? That's the thing too. They're so like young, right? Yeah. And they like, never got to, you know, they never got to mature. Yeah. There was plenty growth to be had. Yeah. If they, if they could have. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. So you are from Iowa, correct? Yeah. Yeah. You live in Indy now. Mm-hmm. What are some similarities or differences with Indiana mm-hmm. and Ohio? Um, I mean, they're both Midwest, you know, mm-hmm. so I think there's this like that idea of like Midwest nice where we're like polite mm-hmm. to each other, things like that. Um, you know, some of the like cultural things feel kind of similar in some ways. Um, I don't know. I don't know how different. I do think that there's like, I can kind of, and I don't even know how to articulate like why, but I can feel that I'm slightly closer to the South here than in Iowa. I don't even know. There, There is some sort of like slight difference. There's a real, or there was an Iowa, like kind of a live and let live kind of thing that feels a little different here. Um, I don't know. People keep to their business <laughs> sometimes. Like, oh, okay. in yeah. Indy, in what? In Indy, we keep to our business. You're saying in Iowa, there there could be some kinds more of like a live and let live kind of thing. I mean, Indianapolis is different because it's a bigger city, right? But like, if we're talking about kind of more of the smaller town kind of feels, I think that's what's like slightly different. Yeah. I don't yeah. ever to Iowa, but do you know the author? I'm just name dropping and book dropping all episode. Uh, Denise Williams, she's a romance author. I don't know Denise Williams. No, she's from Iowa as well. Not okay, that cool. Because you guys are both from. No, but I'll have to check her out. I'm trying. I have gotten into reading a little. I had never really read romance, and I gotten into reading like a little bit more. So I will look her up. Yeah, my reading genres are either super cute romance or Gone Girl. Yeah, I love. I love that you have the the different poles. That's so funny. Yeah, and sometimes I'm like, oh, I've been reading too cute for too long. Yeah, gotta. Yes, and then yeah. I'm like, let me go back to the good stuff, the cutie stuff, because yeah, 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 yeah. Um, okay, so on your book, I don't know if you know, but there's a blurb. I don't know what they're called. Yeah, Julie Clark. Have you? Yeah, met her? yeah, she's so nice. Yeah, I love her. I read two of her books. They're yeah. amazing. She's yes. Amazing. Love that for you. Yeah, I'm a. She. I'm a big fan of her. She's so talented. Mm-hmm. so I'm assuming you have made a number of friendships um with within the publishing industry authors as well do you have like a best author friend um I mean it, it, I my MFA program you know some of the people through that are published so and they so they were like my friends before but now they're published and so it is really nice because we can kind of like compare notes like commiserate you know and it is it is I just like talking about the importance of friendship it's so nice to have people who are going through similar things or you can say like oh this happened is that weird or how did you deal with us and yeah yes definitely let's put this on the pod just talk about how important um your writing community is yeah because like I'm assuming you have friends and family who are like cheering you on but yeah yeah I mean 
it's sort of one thing to have your non-writing friends be like, you can do this, like, yay. And that means a lot. And it is so sweet and, yes. and great. Mm-hmm. But it also is really helpful to be able to go to people who have actually gone through it. And like also to have people who can read your work in the way that a writer needs it read. You know, they're it's like such a horrible position to put our loved ones in, especially if they're, if they're not writers to be like, well, what do you think of this? And it's like, well, they love you and they want to love it. And so to have like, you know, that writing community that you're talking about where they can be like, okay, I see what you're trying to do here, but (laughs) I know. Yeah. Yeah. I am not a fan or actually, I don't know where I was going to go with that. Besides the fact that I had like a terrifying um workshopping experience in college so it took me forever to be able to give my work to someone else yep um but all about that community it's about trust and just like knowing that they know what they're talking about and especially if you understand their writing and you you might like this book have you read this book, The Anti-Racist no. Creative Writing Workshop? Yeah. So you can see all the little marks. Uh-huh. Because like what you're saying about having a bad workshop experience in college is so incredibly common where people get legitimately sometimes like almost traumatized mm-hmm. from these experiences. And so that book is like, it's coming at it from kind of like a white supremacy like lens, but there are just so many reasons why it can be really actually unhelpful sometimes for writers. And you know, my I'm gonna do it. I quit writing. I was yeah, like, Yeah, right. And and that's like that's like a common response. And so what they they kind of put forth like different workshop models that sometimes are more helpful than the traditional, like you have to be quiet and everyone's gonna talk about your story. And so it's been interesting. Like I'm teaching an advanced fiction course right now at the university. Um and sometimes that is helpful. And sometimes that is, you know, sometimes your story is at a place where you want to sit quietly and hear people talk unvarnished, difficult, you know, pick it apart. Sometimes that's deeply helpful, but that's not always the case for every story and and especially every personality, depending on who you have in the, in the workshop. And so to think about like other ways of getting feedback, whether like the author is leading it and guiding it as a discussion or things like that, like, I don't know, it just, it, I think a lot of people stop writing because they have like a really bad. And so the fact that you were able to like have that bad experience, but then still be invested in community and still, you know, have written and published a book. Like, I think that that's really huge because it's hard. Yeah. I would just say that it comes down to trust and it usually comes that trust forms like within an MFA program, it forms with time. It doesn't yeah. like I went, so I had my terrible experience in college and then I went to like a few writing groups around town and I just couldn't, we weren't vibing. Yeah. So I was like, I am not giving my stuff here. Like, I don't even yeah. know your name, your favorite color. Like there has to be a vibe and yeah, yeah it, it's very important. So I definitely would look into that if you're a writer especially if you're a writer who didn't go to an MFA because I I just had to find these people throughout the streets 
And it's like, it's so hard too, because writing is so subjective, right? Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, you can end up in this group where most of the people might not understand what you're even trying to do, you know? And so it's so, it's like when you can find somebody who like some of my friends that I send my work to, it's like they understand what I'm trying to do. And then they can be like, okay, I I get it. You're missing the mark here. Um, But then it can be really hard, especially for writers who are just starting out to getting all this feedback. They want to get better, but then they're like, I don't think this person understands what I'm even trying to do. It's tough. Yeah. Um, I said this in the last episode um, and I forget how I said it, but it's something about how if oh that dream was planted in your heart for a reason yeah like you can't escape writing then that means that you're meant to write and you just have to find your people yeah absolutely for sure and Um, be like so deeply stubborn because that's what it also it also takes such stubbornness and like relentlessness in the face of rejection yeah oh good grief don't right started on that so yeah yeah I wanted to get your advice on that what Uh advice would you give to writers first of all there's a number of advice pieces that I would like your okay but what would you start with that um if you hear noise it's my dog kind of like wandering around he woke up from a little nap um I guess like well the first thing is like that that we were saying, like, find, find people who can give you feedback. Mm -hmm. That is the right feedback and like helpful for you, but also be sure that you're at a place where you even want feedback. Like, I do think that for me, I need to be able to take something as far as I can humanly take it. And then that's when I think what happens is sometimes, especially in like a class setting, you're having to just like turn something in because of a deadline and like, you know, that there's stuff wrong with it. And like, it's too, um, fresh, like even to really get helpful feedback. Um, so that's all essential. I think too, just like not feeling like everything you write has to be published or has to be a finished piece. Um, it puts so much pressure on us to feel like every paragraph, that I sit down and write has to be, you know, perfect. And it's going to be part of the final book. And it's just like, no, it's not (laughs) like the amount, the amount that I ended up cutting or rewriting or redoing is like three times like the, what the book is. Right. And so I think it takes a lot of pressure off of, um, a writer to, to just kind of remember, like, there are going to be days that you write stuff that just, it doesn't, doesn't catch on and that's part of it you know my friend the one who I trust with my writing yeah um I had her edit it and like she would make notes like oh I don't get what you're trying to say here and there was times where I would like spend so much time trying to explain it and I just ended up deleting any and everything (laughs) Yeah. Like, I don't get it. And I was like, bet, neither do I. Yeah, right, right. You were ultimately like, oh, okay, because it just has to go. <laughs> yeah, got it. Yeah. I've said. I, we well, will- that's why, yeah, like, I, that's why I sometimes tell my students, like, do not, because it's so, it can be so kind of, like, intoxicating to just, like, 
nitpick with sentences, but it's like, do not do that until you know you're going to keep it. Cause like how many of us have just like labored over trying to make these sentences beautiful. And then you throw the whole thing out and yeah. Yes. Valid. Um, what is your advice to writers seeking, uh, traditional publishing? Because I self-published, so it failed and still wanted to be a writer. So did it that way. Well, I, you know, that, that's the thing that, there's, there can be such a divide between traditionally published and self-published authors. And I really wish that that's why I'm glad I like that we're talking. Cause like, I really don't, don't think that that should be the case because there are so many valid reasons to self-publish. Like if you are writing in a genre that has a high demand, um, or you already have, like, you're really good at marketing and things like that. Like it is a very valid path um so that's like the first thing I want to say um myself I do well I will admit that I feel like the traditional published versus self-published that stigma has I think that you're right and I'm I'm happy to see that um I think that if so for me I want I wanted to go the traditional publishing route because one like for my job that is like more of a like necessity. Um, and also just because I'm not great at like self-promotion and things like that. And so having someone else to do that felt essential. Um, I mean, I think that obviously the traditional route, the first step is the literary agent and finding a good one. Um, I have heard so many people say like a bad literary agent is worse than no agent. And I think that that's really true. I'm really lucky with my agent. She's the only agent I've had. Um, And so I think like that first step, doing a lot of research and really thinking about like, what kind of an agent do you want? Like my agent is very editorial. And so we do a lot of rounds of revision together and she, she understands what I'm trying to do. And it's a, it's makes the book better. Um, or are you someone that like, you want to do that on your own and you just want someone that's like going to sell it. Um, I think that that is like a really, it's a really important relationship, um, for people who want to get traditionally published. And so really taking the time. And I think what happens for writers is that, we want to be published. Like I know. We're, we're yeah. like, we, um, we, many of us, like we're, we're insecure. And I think, I think that there, you know, there are predatory people out there that, you know, might not have your best interests at heart. And so just not being too quick to be like, oh, okay, I'll go with you, you know, just like really, really taking your time. Um, Cause it's a marathon, like the writing career. Yeah. What was so terrifying for me, like, the weeks leading up to my book being released it's like I was still reading obviously and I read I forget what the book is called but I read like one of the greatest romances of the year in my unpopular opinion and I was like I am pulling my book right now like it was so good it made you feel like yes I was like my book is trash I'm not giving any, I'm not giving this to anyone. No one will like it. What am I doing? Da, da, da. So yeah, that was really funny. It's just, it, I don't know if it's writers in general, but I do think a majority. Hi, I'm still on the phone. Uh, <laughs> I do think the majority of writers are like, 
oh, I, is it, I don't want to say insecure. There's just a lot. Yeah. I mean, the competition, a lot of writers. The a competition lot of, is fierce. I don't find writers, um, I'm not competitive with them. I think yeah. if that is your niche, I will be there to support you. But yes, like, obviously we, I had my experience in college and I remember after college, I don't know how, who, what, where, but there were just so many writers. I think it was like yeah. some online group yeah. and it was over 10,000. And I was like, wait, what? Yeah. Some people are just in my little group are trying to become authors. And, and yeah. they, da, da, da. I was like, oh my God. Yeah. I mean, it, it's, it's so tough because a, a truth is the market is saturated. Right. And that, that is like the economic reality of like all of us, whether traditional or self-published trying to promote books, like the market is saturated and um, yeah, it can ha make people feel this kind of like scarcity thing. Um, but I think also like, it's just so human to like for your experience, like read yeah. that, read that book and then yeah. be like, and be like, Oh no. Like, I just think that, you know, the person who wrote that book is right. doing the same thing about somebody else's book. Literally you know? author, they're like, when they're promoting their book, they're like, Oh my God, I'm so nervous for you to read it. And I'm like, yeah, oh, good. Yeah. Thank God I'm not alone. Yeah, absolutely. So did you always want to be a teacher? How did that come about? What did you do first? So I was a, in college, I went for journalism and psychology. And so I, I did kind of like newspaper stuff briefly and then did like corporate communications writing. Um, and I did that for like five years and then was like, I want to get an MFA. I, I just, I remember being like, I want time just to write and try to become a better writer. Um, and then it was during that, cause I taught at Purdue as part of the MFA program that I, that was when I first started teaching and then really liked it. And then just kind of went with that ever since. Love that. Yeah. I feel like with teaching, there has to be a love for it. Yes, absolutely. I think that you're teaching as a creative writing professor and Nick's teaching as a kindergarten teacher are exactly the same. No, very, but they, they both, they both require patience yes. <laughs> and yes. kind of like, yeah, yeah, yeah. but it is, um, no, I mean, the K through 12, that's a whole other, yeah. yeah. And they are not valued how they should be. Oh, my poor baby. Yeah. No. I, yeah. No. Um, no. okay. So we're going to wrap up with a few more things, but I'm wondering what is your favorite season? Ooh, um, I do think, I mean, the book is set in Halloween fall. I, oh, am, yeah. I am basic in that way. Yes. Yeah. I don't really have a favorite season. I'm more of like a favorite temperature kind of okay. that ranges from like 80 or 78 to 83. Oh, you like a little, a little warmer. Okay. Yeah. And yeah. But not like hot, like not hot. Yeah. Outside and enjoy yeah. the weather. So um, like an early summer is like your kind of thing. Yeah, but like, do we even get anything? no? Exactly. That's the problem. That's the problem. That's with the Midwest like spring because well, it's, it's not the, real. The same thing with with fall. It's like we get like two days, mm -hmm. and then mm -hmm. we're in what we're in now, which is horrible. Ugh! Don't even get me started. Yeah. So okay, I have a winter this or that. So would you prefer hot chocolate or hot tea? 
Ooh, hot tea. I've gotten really into tea lately, so I would agree. Besides the fact that I don't like chocolate, but I usually don't like. Interesting. I'm into tea, so yeah. Gloves or mittens? I just knitted a pair of mittens, my very first mittens, and so I am into these mittens. I know Rebecca was the cutest thing just sitting at her little table and knitting. That's right. I forgot. I forgot. Yeah. I was knitting. I was, I was knitting like, socks. you stop it. And I think, and I'm, I finished them. I'm done with them. Oh, yay. Love that for you. Um, a blanket fort or a pillow fort? Ooh, blanket fort. I said the same thing. Yeah. Um, new books or old faves? This is tough. This is, you're really making it tough. I'm going to say old faves. All right. There's something, I mean, there's something so wonderful about like cracking open the new book. Like that's such a good feeling, but going back to one, you know, you're going to love. Yeah. I used to be a rereader. Yeah. Anything. But then a friend of mine was like, you need to read these books that you want to read. And I'm like, oh, yeah. So, Yeah. (laughs) I'm doing better, but still trying. Um, a snowman or a sto- snowball fight? Ooh, snowman. Uh, fuzzy socks or slippers? Ooh, mm, this is also a tough one. I'm gonna say fuzzy socks, actually. Becca, are we like twins? Um, <laughs> lots to do or taking it easy this is tough it depends it depends it depends on the headspace because there are times when you want to be distracted right and you want to just go 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 um but I think when it's cold taking it easy yes yeah um and the last one is see the ball drop or are you already asleep I'm gonna see the ball drop and then about 15 minutes later I will be asleep literally we have friends they host a new year's eve party great we love it but like 15 minutes later and we go to their house and they live an hour away i'm like oh no i'm asleep on the couch i don't care y'all can keep partying i will a little nap yeah Uh, but if we did not have to go visit them yeah i would not see that ball drop yeah 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 Perfect. Okay. So do you want to tell us, I don't know if you can, um, what you're currently working on? Yes. I'm working on another novel and this one is a little bit more like horror supernatural E. So that's been fun to play with. Yeah. All right. So, um, the new year's coming up. Yeah. How like all of November, I was like, it's not November. I know. <laughs> so that's fun what do you have any plans for 2024 not really working on the book and I want to read a lot in a lot of different genres like I told you before I got I have a student who kind of writes kind of romance adjacent stuff and so reading her work made me start reading more romance I had never really read it before and just have really enjoyed like getting into that world and it's made me feel like I want to read just different genres um because it's so fun to like yeah. discover this whole new world yeah I'm not like a fantasy reader but I'm reading yeah. a fantasy book right now which one um, it's called between the lines by Jody Pico okay. okay do you like it 
I do. Okay, cool. But I I think it might be becoming a movie. So I was like, oh, Ooh. Let me first. Might, I don't know. Um, okay. Because I feel like, I don't know if you know this, but um, authors would be like, this movie's coming out. And then it doesn't. And then five years later, a different book of theirs coming out. And we're like, wait, what? So yeah, it's very confusing because it's like, there's often not a lot of communication with like yeah. what, you know? And so the author's probably like, oh, never mind. <laughs> I know. I literally met an author and I was like, where, where are we with this? Yeah. Yeah. And she was like, <laughs> your guess is as good as mine. <laughs> I know. Um, where was I going with that? What were we just talking about? <laughs> What were we? Oh, talking about me wanting to read in the new year, all sorts of different like genres. And oh, so yeah. I don't read a lot of fantasy either. Um, so that is, I've read more because again, I have, I have an, another student who writes a decent amount of fantasy, but I'd like to, I'd, that's, that's an area I should read more in. A lot of my writer fan, friends are fantasy and I'm like, cool. yeah. Um, so yeah, I just love when I read a fantasy and I'm like, yeah hey what is it yeah um okay Rebecca this is the end this is all that I have do you want to leave anything on the pod for whoever is where ears we're in no just thank you this was really really fun I like so enjoy chatting with you yeah I I used to be very nervous but I feel like I'm getting better at asking authors to come on the pod um so just thank you all as well for just being engaging and welcoming and making- you know you made it like very just very fun it was a very very fun and chill conversation yeah I'm learning that authors were just people yeah absolutely. because before I'm like oh my god they're everywhere I know. and now yeah I'm just like, hey. yeah what's up I hope I know, that's, and, that's, and like when you when you're like now now you're on the other end of it so when you're I know like, you know you'll be like you'll be like oh yeah yeah um I have an event this month and yeah I'll just be like hey what's up but like the first event that I had everyone came up and they're just like so excited and I'm like I'm just a girl right <laughs> absolutely but- Thank you again for coming on and I will be on the lookout for your next novel to hopefully have you back. And I will be looking, where are your, your events? Cause you said you have one this month. Are they on your website? Yeah. Okay, cool. Cause I'd love to catch one of your events. Okay. Thank you. All right. Thanks. Uh- Thank you again to Rebecca for concluding our 2023 episodes. Our regularly scheduled episode of I Just Read This Book, the podcast, i.e. the last Thursday of every month, will continue on Thursday, January 25th, 2024, with myself and Olivia returning to discuss Haunting Adeline by H.D. Carlton. I hope you all had a lovely holiday season and I look forward to you listening to me in the new year.